Hello and welcome to the Urban Permaculture Podcast. I'm Heather with Hogs and Hens Urban Farm, and it's been a while since we last chatted. As far as updates around the farm, it's winter and our gardens have pretty much been put to bed for the winter. Um, We really don't have much production happening anymore. I do have one kale plant that's kind of limping along, but it's pretty much done for the season. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm done with the farm for the winter. Oh no, there are always projects to be done around a homestead. In our case, we spent uh, yesterday working on putting a new roof on our chicken coop to give them better coverage and enclosing more of their run to give them more of a windbreak to help keep them warm in the winter. Now, our chickens do not have any um, external heat added to their living arrangements. The reason for that, and there's, there's a lot of mixed opinions on that. I personally think that it's best to not give them supplemental heat. And the main reason for that is that with chickens, if you're giving them supplemental heat, they get used to that supplemental heat. And then if we have a power outage, for example, and we no longer have access to heat lamps or heating pads or things of that nature, then the area becomes exceptionally cold and the chickens are not prepared for that as they've been used to that supplemental heat. And so we do not use external supplemental heat for our chickens. Now, what we do is we add what's called the deep litter method. So the deep litter method means that we add an extra deep layer of bedding for them. In our case, we use wood shavings and straw for our chickens. And then um, we also have nesting pads that we put in their nesting boxes um, in addition to the straw and the wood chips. Um, So that's something that we took care of yesterday um, in preparation for the crazy cold weather. We've had a few days that dipped into the upper 20s, but next week we're supposed to get down all the way to negative 3 degrees Fahrenheit. And that is very, very cold here um, in Ohio. Uh, Traditionally, in January, we have some of the coldest temps of the year here in my growing zone. We are known to get weather that is down into the lower teens um, as far as temperature, and that's again in Fahrenheit. But we are doing everything we can to prepare We have insulated our attic um, at the house, so that was a big project. We had several of our friends come together to help us accomplish that project, and we got it taken care of. We also were able to get an external outlet put on the side of our home that we can plug in the heated chicken waterer um, with that. Now, with the heated chicken waterer, again, if we lose power, we can end up having a chicken waterer that no longer keeps the water thawed for the chickens to drink. But there are definitely alternative methods for giving the chickens adequate water, even if the power goes out. So I'm not so worried about that. But we did need to get some external um, electricity ran so we can run their heated chicken waterer just because of our schedule. And we're not always home to make sure they have fresh, clean water. So that's our way of making sure that they have thawed, fresh, clean water at all times. We have also been working on adding some lighting to our property. So in the food forest, we added some beautiful decorative lighting to our fence just to give it a little bit of an aesthetic boost. (coughs) As you can hear in my voice probably, um, myself and Bob have both been very sick we um, we ended up getting influenza A, 
Um, I've been on bed rest for over a week now. Um, it was pretty bad. I ended up having to go to the hospital last week, in fact, because it was so bad. But we are on the mend. Bob is doing really well now, and I mostly have this nagging cough, which you may hear me have to pull away and cough or clear my throat because I'm still dealing with those challenges. But I'm happy that I was able to handle this illness primarily with things um, that I was able to make myself in my home apothecary. Um, so one of the remedies I used um, during this illness is that I took some raw local honey and I cut up an onion um, into diced bits and covered it with raw honey. I then left that in the jar and shook it every couple of hours to make sure that the onions were well coated in the raw honey. And I essentially have begun fermenting my onion honey mixture. Um, it's actually not bad. Everybody thinks that it's going to taste terrible. It's really not. In fact, I would actually mix that with just a tiny bit of vinegar and oil and make a dressing out of it, a salad dressing or a marinade. Um, but it's not a salad dressing or a marinade at this stage. Right now, I take about a teaspoon of it every couple of hours, and it's a natural cough remedy, and it definitely helps. I can certainly tell when it has um, you know, no longer been effective. When it starts to wear off, I start to cough even harder. Um, so having the onion honey mix has been great. I also had the foresight to make some fire cider a while back. Um, I made that back in October and bottled it up um, just a couple weeks ago, actually, um, and it is now ready for use. If you're not familiar with fire cider, let me just tell you, fire cider is an absolute game changer. So fire cider is a very customizable recipe. It is something that everybody does a little bit different, and it can be made to suit anybody's needs or wants. In my case, my fire cider is started in a one-gallon glass jar. Um, I use recycled pickle jars um, from the large jars of whole pickles um, and jars like that that I get from my friends who own restaurants nearby where they buy items in bulk. So I have a stockpile of those jars, and in those jars... I add chopped up bits and everything is organic. Any and everything that I'm talking about here is either organic or raised organic locally by myself. And so I start out with some fresh horseradish root. I chop up some turmeric and some ginger, cranberries, lemons, limes, and oranges, whole fresh ginger that I then chop into bits to release the allicins in them. Um, I then add whole onion that I chop up in there. I add large amounts of oregano as well as some basil and rosemary. I add whole cracked black peppercorns. And the peppercorns release a lot of the um, phytonutrients and the chemicals that are in some of the other compounds and make them bioavailable. What that means is that you can eat a lot of different things, but their nutrients are not released without the presence of another thing. In this case, the black peppercorns help to make the nutrients in the fire cider better available on a more therapeutic level. Um, so I add all of these things into my glass jar, and then to that glass jar, I add some raw organic honey, locally sourced, and to that mixture then, I top it all off with some raw organic apple cider vinegar. 
All of those things then sat um, with a piece of parchment paper on top of them, and then the lid loosely tightened on top, on top of my refrigerator on the back in the dark, and it sat there for about eight weeks. Once those eight weeks are up, there are different options on what you can do with your fire cider. Now, option one is to simply strain your fire cider and keep your liquid and discard your um, solid material into the compost bin. I don't do that. Um, so once it's been my six to eight weeks that my mix has been cooking or marinating, however you want to call it, fermenting really is what's going on. Um, I take that that mixture and I strain it and then I pull the rind off of the citrus fruit and I blend all of those organic bits of plant. Um, I add a little bit of the liquid to it and I blend it into a thick pulp. I then put the pulp back into the mixture and let it sit for another two weeks. This allows you to extract any of the nutrients that are locked up in the whole solid bits of those organic foods that you're fermenting. Once it has sat for another two weeks, I then take and I strain that mixture through. Um, I actually use a, um, a stand that's for making jams and jelly. It's um, a sieve that has a fabric bag and I'll put the material through there and kind of squeeze it out. What I'm left with is a thick, very nutrient-dense pulp. And then take that pulp and smear it out straight and put it into my dehydrator and I dehydrate it to use as a dried seasoning mix that I can add with just a little bit of honey and some vinegar and some olive oil, shake it up real good, and I have a really delicious Italian dressing made from scratch. Or I can take some of those dried bits and just sprinkle them on things as a seasoning. They are going to have that little pop of a vinegar aftertaste, and they are going to have a lot of that citrus and that pepper. It's all delicious. Oh, Speaking of peppers, I forgot. There are hot peppers in my fire cider mix. Now, you can use any peppers you want. A lot of recipes call for habanero. I did not have any habanero on hand, so I actually use what are called Peter peppers, and they are really spicy um, and very delicious, flavorful pepper. So I chopped some of those up there as well as some jalapeno. Um, I do not take the ribs and the seeds out because I want that fire in that fire cider. Anyhow, um, so I have this lovely fiery, peppery, um, slightly uh, sour seasoning mix that I can then use to top all kinds of delicious things. It's really good on top of bread with just a little bit of olive oil drizzled on top. So delicious. But that liquid is now liquid gold. That liquid is full of all the nutritive benefits of the plants that you had put into the mix. You're going to get some great therapeutic benefits as well. Um, so with the fire cider, you're getting all the warming properties of the things like the peppers and the jalapeno, the ginger and the turmeric. There is a lot of anti-inflammatory properties in this blend. In addition to the anti-inflammatory properties and the delicious warming effect that it gives, you also have the probiotic effect from some of the things that are inside. It's got natural antibiotic, antiviral, antifungal, anti-everything pretty much. If it's bad, this drink is going to help you to thwart that bad. So I've had that, and that is my fire cider recipe, and it's totally customizable. You can, you can tweak it however you'd like. Um, I drink about two tablespoons of that, and I mix it with a little bit of water and a little uh, touch of honey, and I drink it as a drink, or sometimes I'll just shoot it like a little shot. Um, but it's delicious, and it adds a lot of good things to your body. 
So I've been drinking that. Bob made fresh homemade chicken noodle soup from scratch, as well as some amazing and delicious collard greens. Probably the best greens I've ever had, truly. Um, so I've been doing those things. Um, I've been taking extra vitamin C and making sure that I am staying really well hydrated. This time of year especially, it's really important to stay hydrated. Um, so depending on where you live, when the weather gets cold, your furnace um, or your heat source is going to kick up and that can really be drying to the air. When it dries the air, you're going to find that you're going to have a lot more chapped lip issues as your lips are going to be dry. You're going to be encouraged to lick your lips because that's what your body naturally tells you to do. But that just makes the chap um, even worse. You're going to notice that you're finding yourself um, a lot more dehydrated more frequently in the winter. Um, that's, again, due to the dry air inside these indoor spaces. We combat that by using humidifiers. We rerouted our dryer so that um, it takes that warm, steamy air from drying our clothes and puts that into our house to add moisture and heat. If we're going to be using the dryer anyway, it makes sense for us to go ahead and use that heat to heat our home and reduce our bills. Um, now, not everybody has the ability to do this, but it's really easy for us to reroute our dryer vent. And so we do that every winter. Um, that adds some humidity to the air as well. We've been going around and sanitizing our home top to bottom because we, um, not only are Bob and I sick, but Tammy, our roommate that takes care of our chickens and dogs in the farm while we're gone, um, has also been very, very sick. Um, we wouldn't be able to do all the things we do without Tammy. Truly, she has been an absolute godsend in our lives. Um, she lives with us, and when we are traveling and on the road, she takes care of all the things around here, and now she is also sick. Um, luckily, we are all doing, like I said, much better. We're all very much on the mend. Bob is pretty well done. I still have this darn cough, but aside from that and the exhaustion, all is well, and it it felt really good to be able to um, nurse myself back to health using these herbal and natural remedies. Um, in addition to that, making sure to eat a really nutritious and healthy, um, balanced diet has been really important because you got to make sure that your body's getting all of the nutrition that it needs in order to not only survive, but to thrive. And so we've been doing that. I've been getting lots of bed rest. And let me tell you, for us, bed rest is torture. I am always on the go. We are always out in the garden or on the road or visiting friends or planning some kind of event somewhere. And I have not had the energy to do much of any of those things. We've, um, we've been on bed rest and literally I have been in my bed aside from going downstairs to get something to eat and getting up to go to the bathroom. I really haven't left my bed, um, in over a week now. It's, it's very frustrating and it's not something as a homesteader that um, has been easy, but it's something that we're doing. But what I have had is lots of time to work on my garden plan for this year. Now I have submitted my permaculture design certificate final project and I am currently awaiting the results of that. Um, but I should know in the next two weeks whether or not I have successfully passed my program and um, earned my permaculture design certificate. And so that's something fun. I have designed our property as my final project and 
we have already implemented several of the things on my design, but there are more things that we're going to be adding as well. And we started working on our list of what we're growing and where. Um, I map out my entire garden every year and all of my growing spaces. And I map out exactly how many plants per square foot um, I plan on planting for each of these things. And I get them all ready. Next up, I'm going to be going through all of my seeds and I'm going to be organizing them and getting them um, you know, planned out and figuring out what I have versus what I need so that we can get those, um, those things all ready for this fall and this summer and this spring and all of our plantings. It is January and in Ohio, I am in zone 6A, although the new USDA guidelines say I am in zone 6B, but I very much believe I am still in 6A based on our first frost and last frost dates. Um, I'm still going to go with 6A dates. Um, that being said, it is time to start onions. Um, now, if you're going to start onions from seed, it is absolutely best to get that done now because they need a very long time to grow when starting from seed. We also have onion sets and I absolutely plan on planting some of those onion sets in addition to my onion seeds, but I'm running an experiment this year and I want to see if I have better results from the ones that I plant as sets or if I have better results from the ones that I start as seeds. I have tons of both, so we are going to have plenty of onions this year. I also have a fun update. I am pleased to announce that my garlic did not, in fact, end up getting entirely destroyed by squirrels this year. We did lose several of our garlic um, sets from these squirrels. They go out there and they dig them up and they eat them. And I know garlic is supposed to repel squirrels. In fact, it's a companion planting tool that you're supposed to live or use to prevent squirrels. In my case, the squirrels decided it was a gourmet snack. And so I was kind of at a loss for what to do. We've tried putting netting over top of them. We've tried putting hardware cloth over them. We've buried them in straw. We've used wood chips. We've used mulch and pine shavings. We've done all the things and the squirrels always get them. Well, I'm, I'm proud to announce that we do, in fact, have several um, of our garlic that have sprouted. So that's a good sign. Now, it's going um, to kill them off with the winter. That's going to kind of let them die back. But this spring, as soon as the ground is warm enough for them to start growing again, they will naturally start taking off and doing their thing. So that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we're also going to do a spring planting of garlic this year, which we'll be able to harvest in the very, very, very late fall, early winter, um, so that we'll have a perpetual flow of fresh garlic on our property. Um, those are the main, uh, main things that are going on here around the homestead. Fridays, we are looking to start a new series. Um, we're going to be doing short little posts on Friday. Sometimes it'll be me, sometimes it'll be Bob, and sometimes it'll be me and Bob. Um, but those are going to be shorter little um, podcast episodes, mostly updates with a little bit of information thrown in there too. Sometimes it could just be a topic that I think you guys need to hear about, and we'll talk about those. But the goal is for these Friday episodes, they're all going to be under 30 minutes um, with a goal of more like 15 to 20 minutes. So be, look on, be on the lookout for those. I tried to do two episodes a week a while back and our schedule just got to a point where we couldn't do it. 
But we are at that point again where I think I can accomplish this. And so we are pre-recording several of them to have them ready. But I am so excited about all the things that we were able to accomplish this year. And I am so very excited about the things that 2024 has in store for us. Um, I'm booked at two different engagements coming up. You can find me at HerbalCon in March in Wapakoneta, Ohio. And you will be able to find me at the Homestead Homecoming the last weekend in June. And that's going to be in southern Indiana. And I am beyond excited to meet more and more of you folks. If there is an event and you are looking for somebody to speak in the gardening uh, sector or about urban farming or any of the topics that you've heard me talk about on the podcast and you think I might be a good fit, please, please, please reach out to us. Um, You can find us on Facebook, Hogs and Hens Urban Farm, and you can find us on our website at hogsandhensdayton.com. And that would be an amazing way um, for me to be able to reach even more people. So if you have an event coming up and you are looking for a dynamic speaker, I am your girl. Let me know and we will get it on the schedule. Thank you guys so much for following along this journey with us now. We are in our second season of the podcast. We've been going for over a year now, and I could not be more excited about all of the things that have happened And I am so glad to have you along for the journey as we do even more next year. We're adding more trees and more berries. We're going to be planting even more things this year and expanding several of the things that we are already planting and growing. Uh, We're going to be expanding those and, and adding even more to the mix. So stay tuned. And please, if you like this show, Give us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Um, you know, give us a, a review and tell us what you think. The more reviews we get, the higher we show in the rankings. It really, truly does help us out. And it gives me good feedback. If, if you're not a fan of the format, it helps me to know. And if you have suggestions for content, please reach out to us via the Facebook or through our website. I would love to know what you would love to learn about this year. So thank you. And on behalf of all of us here at Hogs and Hens Urban Farm, I look forward to talking with you soon. Have a great day.